Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. Today, we are going to be talking about cemeteries. Part two. Again. <laughs> More dead people. <laughs> yes. All the dead people. Not all. A lot. So if you haven't already listened to Cemeteries Part 1, I would urge you to do so. You can pause, like pause this, then go back, play that, come back, play this, and carry on with your day. And then come to Salem and then tour all the cemeteries. Yes. <laughs> but before we do, we did want to catch up a little bit. Last Friday was Friday the 13th. Party time. Yeah. Salem, as you can imagine, gets pretty... It's a it's a popular, casual place to visit on Friday the 13th, right? If someone probably in like a, I don't know, maybe a hundred mile radius is like looking for something to do, come to Salem. All the hotels were booked up. Yeah. So, but we got to party in Hammond Castle that night. The uh, Endless Nights Vampire Salon uh, hosted and put on by Vamp Fangs. Uh, so the salons, I think we've talked before. Yeah, we definitely remember we interviewed Ben and Lex yeah. from Vamp Fangs just a couple episodes so ago. So they're normally at the Hawthorne here in town. They're sort of smaller, like 100, 150 people. But this is the first time we took it out of Salem and to a castle on the water, which was pretty cool. It was incredible. Yeah. We were ushered in by a flamethrower. So yeah, as that we're crossing. Was pretty. Crossing a moat. Yeah, we, crossing the bridge we, over the moat. There's a guy blowing fire. Uh, and then we led down into the basement of a castle for a vampire party. Drinks, hors d'oeuvres, dancing, ritual. They had little hamburgers. Yes, they did. They had little sliders. I, they, they were so, they were yummy. Bunch of meat on sticks as yes. well. No, it was incredible. It was cool. You didn't hear the music until you got far enough down the stairs right, to really just, get into the grand hall. Echoing. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. And the hall is grand. Indeed. Uh, the woodwork is great. So anyone, uh, so I guess we got two things here. If you're looking for something to do when you come to Salem and you want to get out of the city a little bit, Hammond Castle, highly recommended. Uh, Up in like, Gloucester. Yeah, it's about half an hour away. Yep. Um, so pretty easily accessible. Uh, it's really historically interesting, uh, sort of built by an eccentric millionaire. And he takes a lot of uh, artifacts from all over Europe Um and just uses them as like walls and arches and structures in his own castle. It's a fan, fascinating place. It's a bizarre place. Yeah. Uh, there was a room where you could get shut into it. They had tour guides mm-hmm. stationed around the castle. So while you're wandering through, you could learn a little bit about the history. And there was a bedroom where the wallpaper went right over the door. So if you close the door, it disappears. And apparently John Hammond, the guy who built it or had it built, he used to put guests in that room and then lock them in. And one of the guides was telling us about how the Ringley brothers came to stay. And one of them was extremely claustrophobic and almost attempted to jump out the window. Oh yeah. Cool. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, go visit Hammond castle, uh, or, Come check out the vampire salons. Uh, next one is September 30th, and that is the day before the vampire ball. Which is October 1st. Yeah. So uh, if you're in town, look for something to do the first weekend of October. Come check out the vampire salon and the vampire ball. Hosted by Vamp Fangs and put on by Endless Nights. It's going to be one hell of a party. It always yeah. is. Yeah. So the party was cool. But leading up to it was slightly hectic. Um 
We actually got a chance to do a quick recording, just a little teaser for what's to come towards the end of the summer. We will have an episode with the Endless Nights founder, Father Sebastian, that is going to be dropping at the end of September, right before the salon, right before the next ball. So you can hear his origin story, what really inspired him to create, to found, really- promote uh, Endless Nights as we know it today. So we got to sit down with him right before the party, and uh, that should be airing at the end of the summer. So he is a fang smith, first and foremost, and Jeff had always talked about these custom fangs he has that clip right onto his teeth, and they don't fall out. You don't need like denture cream or anything like that, and they're shaped to your mouth. So I was like, okay, I obviously I have to have some. So <laughs> Father Sebastian is, I'm sure other people yeah. also create them, but Father Sebastian is like the guy, the guy you go to to get your fangs done. So he had come out from LA to attend the Vampire Salon, and he had some time to sneak me in on that Saturday, and I got custom fangs done. How was that? It was so cool. <laughs> it's Although, an experience. It, it was. Um, so originally I had wanted to uh, try to get the interview with Father Sebastian at the same time you were getting your fangs done because I just thought it would be great. So it's like denture molds and like <laughs> yep. you put the thing in your mouth and you're like, talk yeah, you, it all. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't talk. <laughs> so I, just, I wanted to have you like try to ask questions about, like, oh, what is your favorite <laughs> thing about Caleb? And then there'd be drool over your face and like we could get good pictures of that. Oh, it would have been great. It um, would have been great. But unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen and I, I couldn't make it for your, your fang appointment. Funny story. So I'm walking home with my new fangs. Of course, I wore them home because yeah, like yeah. I just got my new fangs. I had like Fleetwood Matt going in my headphones and I'm strolling down Essex Street, stopped by my favorite house. We've talked about this mm-hmm. a million times, the beautiful little cottage thing on Bots Court. And the owners pull up and I have my fangs in. And so I'm going down. Did you just forget? No, Uh, no. I'm like, shoot. You know, normally I would say, oh, your house is so beautiful. Like, or maybe smile or wave or anything. But I couldn't open my mouth. It didn't want to scare them. (laughs) They're like somewhat older folks. And like, I'm assuming. Salem. Yeah. But if you saw that. My fangs do not vibe with that wildflower garden. Hey, I'm sure there's wildflower vampires. Perhaps. Who like to live in little feral gardens and have mushrooms and drink people. Possibly. I walk past and I was like, okay, just just look the other way. And then the guy waves at me and says, hi. Like, you can just be like, hi. <laughs> like to sort of do like that. Yeah, I kind of just covered up my mouth. Just over, <laughs> tried to keep it closed as much as possible. Hi, I love your house. Please don't look at my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, to do like the, like you're sort of rubbing your nose or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. Do you have any fun stories from the weekend? I have a great story from the weekend. So um, Friday we had the the salon and uh, the interview with Father Sebastian, uh, Friday the 13th. However, Sunday, my brother's getting married. And so my father and aunt and uncle, uh, my father's, they're English. My father lives in Florida. My aunt and uncle flew in from England. And so I'm showing them around Salem like you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Plane tour guide. Right. You know, like literally, like yeah. we're like this, this, and this, and talking about stuff. Um, 
And we end up getting lunch at Turner's because it's because that's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> right. And especially because I was like, well, we could go here, we go here, but they, they really want the seafood because it's New England and it's Salem and, and these things. So I thought that was appropriate. So we're sitting at Turner's and I'm having a discussion with, with my a discussion. I'm chatting with my family mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this uh, woman comes over and she's like, hi, I'm sorry to bother you. Are you Jeff from Sale on the podcast? I was like, well, I, I do happen to be that person. It's so uh, crazy. It was it was weird and and shocking. And I got to say, um, sitting with my family, it was. I mean, she didn't know who I was with, mm-hmm. but that sort of made it like even better better right you're like (laughs) you're like look at me look at me yeah (laughs) uh so that was that was pretty cool so uh special shout out to vivian um she was up here at turner's and i think if i recall correctly uh she's from north carolina and moving up here to go to salem state to do her graduate degree oh very cool if i didn't get any of that right i apologize uh but looking forward to having you in town yeah so many transplants yeah, so that was pretty cool. So thank you uh, very much for for uh, recognizing me, coming and saying hi, and making me look good in front of my parents. I was going to say, just so you know, my family is coming in June, so okay. if you want to make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? Any, I, any good weekend stories? I had my first listeners on tour. Oh, yay. Back to back, two nights in a row. Um, shout out to Carlin. She is also a recent Salemite. Um, moved here from Hawaii. When was this? Um, actually, just a couple nights ago. Which so they came up and were like, "I ah, listen to the podcast." Um, actually, it was it was kind of funny. Usually, I save it for the end after the they take the tour. I'll right, give them say, stickers if like, you want to listen thanks. more. Right, exactly. And we were at the fountain uh-huh. right in front of the Peabody Essex Museum, and I said, "Does anyone?" know what this archway represents. People usually say the gallows and whatnot. And I could see that she kind of knew. And once I said, oh, it's a Chinese archway, I saw her kind of like turn to the Peabody Essex Museum and made a smile. I was like, wait, did you, I didn't want to just ignore it. It's like, did you know that? And I was like, did you learn it from the PEM? She said, no, I actually learned it from your podcast. (laughs) like in front of everyone you're like, like oh my oh, gosh oh no, called ah. out. yeah no but it was cool though it was cool um like, you have a podcast right i was like we'll get to that later <laughs> <laughs> but it was very neat it was my first chance to meet a listener and at the end she gave me a bag of coins like she included a small bag with two gold coins in it with her tip it so was she had she said she had just listened to the episode where you talk about giving your brother, yeah, I believe, as yeah. a wedding present, yeah. the coins with the glitter in because, it. Because I'd gotten the coins as a tip sometime last year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She even said, she's like, I'm sorry, there's no glitter. <laughs> like, no, 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 that's good. I don't want there to be glitter. <laughs> oh. But it was so cool. I will hold on to those coins that's, that's, forever. That's, that's legit treasure right there. That's and pretty that, awesome. I had um, someone also gifted me a piece of glass, like a, a, a old vintage bottle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just disregard what's on the bottle. It's the glass in particular. And it has a purple tint oh, to it. That's pretty cute. 
Yeah, so it has that extra manganese, like the witch house yeah, window. Yeah, the pane. windows. So, yeah, it's super cool. That's pretty cool. cool. So, so they're listening, uh, and then we're, that's pretty neat. So I think at the end of this, we are going to end up with a lot of gold coins and purple glass. I'll take the glass, the coins. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know what? No, sure. That's fine, too. <laughs> it was very cool. It's very cool. So, so the problem with the coins, and I'll just real quick, is then you don't know what to do with them. Because they're cool, right? So you want to keep them. Yeah. Uh, but they are money. So you have money. And then, so I guess my brother uh, has, it, he's it's just sitting in his house. He's, well, he can use it. Yeah. But they, they wanted like, this is catch 22 if they want to use it for something special. Oh. But they don't want to just like pull like a dollar coin out there whenever they need it. So it's just like this very expensive <laughs> <laughs> wedding present that they're like, we just don't know what to do with it yeah because it's like it's a cool thing but it it has value it's not like a. it's a, like it has sentimental value at this point but it also has real value right right because it's like it's not like i gave them a thing worth an amount of money i literally gave them an amount yeah, of yeah, money yeah and they're like we don't know what to do does with it, it still have the glitter in it no they okay. they they found out about the glitter at, at her mom's house the day after the wedding <laughs> and, and and even though i i think i told them at, at least twice if not three times, and I know it was their wedding, they were busy, it's biodegradable. So they could have literally just put it in a colander and rinsed it off. Rinsed it off. And and they they didn't. <laughs> they, they'd forgotten. <laughs> Which makes it that much better. Anyway. Well, that's awesome. I'm very glad uh, you got some listeners on your tours. And for anyone else listening who wants to come take a tour, uh, we links. always, always, always include links to both the tour companies in the show notes. Yep. So. so come to Salem, come check us out. So let's get into cemeteries. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So uh, this is part two. Uh, so again, we got part one. Go back, listen to that. Quick uh, recap. Yeah, what do we uh, talk about in part one? Because I got... think we may have left out a couple dates, so I just wanted to revisit real quick. We talked about three cemeteries in part one, St. Mary's, mm -hmm. Green Lawn Cemetery, mm -hmm. and Harmony Grove. Those are three big ones. And the ones kind of on the outskirts of Salem that you'll pass coming into town. So St. Mary's, remember, we spent a lot of time talking about that kind of hidden gem we found in the backwoods area where those big, the cemetery cemetery the cemetery of cemeteries those big chunks of granite kind of just disheveled broken up big mounds of them if you follow us on instagram you will have seen a reel and pictures of those so if you don't already Go please do, do we i spend quite a bit of time on that, that extra do. content thank you <laughs> I'm glad that we broke this into two parts because we were able to track down some explanations for the questions we had last week. So apparently those big chunks of granite were just used as borders mm -hmm. originally around quite a few of the Probably stones. Family plots yeah. or groupings or yeah. Very common. If you go through a cemetery, you have that plot with the cement, cement, granite edging. Mm -hmm, with the, the pillars usually yeah, yeah. at each corner, maybe some steps going up to it. But when lawnmowers became more of a thing, gas lawnmowers, and they were looking to make it easier to upkeep, they started removing some of these borders and just dumped them on the outskirt of the cemetery. I feel like 
that would have required. <clears throat> I think I would rather take a few minutes extra to to edge around some granite than dig it all up and and get rid of it. Right, but, that is a lot of work. Yeah, but then again, I guess at the same time, if there's forty or fifty of these things and you have to edge them like every, every single week, yeah, then that's going to get a little a little much. I'm I'm slightly disappointed in us for not having just wandered through a little bit more. Cause if we had, we would have noticed that some of those edgings, some of those granite borders around family plots do still exist mm-hmm. and they have the same look, feel vibe style. They have the same style. You'll see the same crosses on each corner as you know we discovered in that, you know that I bet? granite pile. I'm totally making this up. I don't know if this is true. What? I bet the cemetery went to the families and said, we're going to need to charge you an additional. And some families were like, okay, we'll pay for that additional maintenance. And the ones that didn't just had those bits removed. Maybe. Again, I'm totally, that just, I had a little epiphany and I was like, yeah, it sounds like something someone would do. Yeah. It's a good assumption to make. Yeah. There's not many left. Um, yeah. They're kind of hard to track down. My guess would be they probably left some of the dare I say significant ones, if someone was more of a prominent burial or maybe the stone itself, the memorial itself was more ornamental, maybe they would leave it up. So that was St. Mary's established in 1849 and probably going to be the cemetery you see when you come right into Salem. Depending on the road, but more than likely that's the main road from the highway. And then we also talked about Green Lawn and Harmony Grove. Yep. Yep. So those are those Those are the rural garden cemeteries, Uh, Green Lawn, founded in 1807, and Harmony Grove, 1840. So you had a question last week about what the John Bertram house was. Remember, we talked briefly about John Bertram, the founder of Salem Hospital, and how he's got a nice big memorial over in Harmony Grove? Yeah. His home, his old home, is now the Salem Public Library. But in 1877, he created the Salem Home for Men. That's on the common. Which is on the common, which is the one that you you were pointing out. So that was just that was just he he believed, and this is what they say on their website, he wisely recognized that some men live fuller lives when in a home that provided supportive services, meals, and companionship. I say that's that's true today. Indeed. And he was a he was a ship captain. So think about sailors mm-hmm. coming home from the seas. They may not have families. They may not have wives. And they're used to that companionship on a boat. So why not put, put something together on, on land? land? Yeah. So it's still it's still functioning as an old folks home. I went on the website and the first thing I saw was this big banner that says, now touring, call this number. And my first thought was like, oh, we can go see the house. Let's no, go I, see the house. I don't think that's. No, that's not what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah. Uh, no. So yeah, you don't, you don't tour it for historical. I saw the, the little notation at the end, come see the facilities. And I was like, Oh, that's oh. what they mean. <laughs> did, did he build? Okay. So with the Bertram house, mm-hmm. he, his house was the library, right? And then he founded the house, the the built the the establishment uh, on, on the common. Yes. Did he build that house? He did not. For, okay, so that house was there before that. Yes. Um, okay. 
I think owned that, owned in part by the Pe- one of the Peabody families. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that that's what I was curious. It's known as something else, and I had it written down before this, but it is lost to me at the moment. Okay. But he was um, he was very much a champion of like healthcare, um, healthcare in like group settings. So that's the second home he actually uh, founded one in Salem for women as well. Is that the one? I believe it's the one that's right next to the customs house, right off of Derby yes. Wharf. Yes, yes. Yep. So. Okay. Well. Did a lot of good, good yeah, works. Thank and you, then, Mr. Bertram. Yeah, gave twenty five thousand to start up Salem Hospital, which I mean, twenty five thousand back like, then is quite a bit of money. Yeah. I mean, twenty five thousand today is not nothing to scoff at. Yeah. So pretty cool. There you go. Salem is just filled with history. So that's our three. From last week, St. Mary's, Green Lawn, and Harmony Grove. So let's dig into this week's. Where are we starting this week? We're talking about Howard Street, Broad Street, and Charter Street. Very good. Probably one of your favorites is in there. Probably Um, Charter. Probably Charter. That's kind of the one that everyone thinks about when they think of cemeteries in Salem perhaps the most widely visited of all these, I would say. So when you're walking through downtown, it's right there. Right there. But first, let's talk about Howard Street. Founded in 1801, some say the most haunted of all the cemeteries. I've heard that. I've, I've heard it quite a bit. Probably most famous for possibly being the location where Giles Corey was pressed to death. Possibly. 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 I don't think so. It was said to have taken place in a field next to the jail. So the jail would sit right where 10 Federal Street is today. And Howard Street is, what would you say, maybe 100 yards away. So depending on how far out and in what direction they took him. So my 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 contradiction is that you would have had to walk about 100 yards in one direction to get to the place that is now specifically Howard Street. When it could have been 10 yards in any direction or 15 or 15, you wouldn't be in Howard Street. Yeah, but it makes for a better story. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, Howard Street. And I'm like, just because there's a cemetery there doesn't mean that's where there wasn't a and cemetery. And we can't there. forget about the ghostly sightings. Come on. <sighs> I, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit. We'll get to that eventually, but there, <laughs> there are tales of. Giles Corey's spirit being spotted wandering Howard Street Cemetery. I'm sure you get a lot of questions as to whether or not any of these cemeteries are haunted. Have you encountered anything? No. Any feelings? Nope. Nothing? Nothing. You've been around like the world though. Anything over there? Nope. Hmm. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I So can we knock it into this? That's fine. We don't have to. <laughs> Yeah, I myself have wandered these streets at like 3 a.m. hoping that if I walk by the cemetery, I might see something. Mm-hmm. But alas, nothing no, yet. I, I've, I've heard some stories about Charter Street uh, and some other places. I just, in my opinion, um, I think one of the least likely places to be haunted would be a cemetery. Why? Because that's not where they died. Interesting. Some may argue that they are attached to their bodies. Well, then that 
disallows the concept. So you would have to be attached to a body and or a physical place. A lot of people say a building's haunted, this room is haunted, this place is haunted, where in which the bodies are no longer there because the bodies have been entombed in a final resting place. Mm -hmm. So if a house is haunted, that means that spirit has remained in the house, uh, which then means that that spirit was not attached to the body. I'm not. I'm. I'm no, no. not saying one size fits all. No, no. no. And, and, and I'm saying some maybe. We have uh, knowing these things is is difficult. You don't have a final answer to a significant amount of these issues. Right. Um, we're debating spirit dwellings right, right now. But we, uh, when it comes to like places that are uh, very haunted or have a lot of weight to them, it is typically to where someone died or a group of people battlegrounds uh you know these sorts of things that tragic. are tragic right the uh remembered place for the fallen dead while it is it's an in memoriam so there, there's not a lot of tragedy mm-hmm. um something might have happened to that person that is tragic but then they were loved and cared for and entombed and and, and let go and then to say that then they are now haunting that place where they were like, okay, cool, you have been put to rest. I think doesn't make a lot of sense. Or I'll I'll cap it with this. On the flip side, you could say that they enjoy the cemetery just as much as we do. As we do. <laughs> and they are just wandering through the stones, basking in okay, the so. trees and birds and butterflies and enjoying their alone time. So, so then I will, I will make an addendum to my statement, which is if, uh, if I was dead and I had a, a spirit that remained, right? Uh-huh. I would go take leisurely strolls in the cemetery. <laughs> I would literally do it for kicks at three in the morning. I'd go sit on someone else's See? headstone. See? That's me. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fuck with people in the cemetery because they're expecting it, and I think that would be fun. You know who will likely be haunting these streets fifty hundred years from now? You and me, disgruntled tour guides. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. So on the tours, we oftentimes go by Charter Street, which we are saving for the end. Yes. But that one's kind of gated up. Howard Street. You can just walk in. You can just walk in. Sit. From dusk till dawn, though. Yeah, Make yeah. sure you're not snooping in past dark or anything. Probably one of the uh, most aesthetically looking trees in the city. Aesthetically pleasing looking trees in the city. It's one of my favorite trees in the city. It's fun to climb. It, it speaks to like my my inner child. I'm like, oh, that tree is so climbable. And then you just have to go climb in the branches. Um, and that's nice. And then you just hang out. And My roommate and I actually did a picnic in there a couple of weeks ago. And she called that the smoking tree. <laughs> Apparently that's where the, all the, the kids of Salem used to climb up and <laughs> do perfect. illicit things. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we all had had something. So maybe like that. that's where the pole yeah, is coming yeah. from. Uh, yeah, Howard Street. It, it does look slightly run down. It's not the most well kept. I think also it's uh, spacious, right? So it it it's also um, co- uh, organized a little better. Like the stones are are spread out. Yeah, so the stones are a little better aligned, mm-hmm. and they're a little more spread out, which gives it a little more structured feel. Which then I think leaves it a little emptier. 
Right. Because what we sometimes want these old bearing points to be is just these sort of scattered headstones. And when you have, you know, a little more organization, it looks a little more empty. I'd agree with that. Yeah. One of the most unique features probably about this cemetery is it's situated right next to the old Salem jail. So you'll see this huge building right next to it. It's now condos. The jail shut down in the 90s, 1990s. But you've got two large towers on top, this big stone building. The original piece of it, the brick area, built to house prisoners of war from the War of 1812. So a lot of history in that building. And if you're looking to move to Salem, well, you can get a condo right in the old jail, and perhaps your bedroom window will look outside and Perhaps over your, Howard Street. And perhaps your bedroom might have been where the Boston Strangler was held. Oh, that's so weird. That's so weird. <laughs> we are going to do an yeah. episode on uh, Salem murders or atta- connections yeah, yeah. connections to oh, those criminals. I'll just so. throw that in there for good measure. Heck yeah. See, that place is totally haunted. Yeah. yeah. Totally haunted. Um, so we, uh, your boss is a local, I mean, he's a local. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say local expert. Um, so yeah, he- no, I, on that cemetery, yeah, at yeah. least. We were lucky enough to chat with him for a bit. My boss's name is Jeff Page. He has, he's been a Salem local all his life. He's been obsessed with the witch trials since he was a young boy. Um, he claims to have done some of his original book reports on the Salem witch trials. So I'm pretty sure that event plagues his dreams on a regular basis. But he used to live, he grew up right at the edge of Howard Street Cemetery. So he saw that thing evolve. He saw it before some of these stones were knocked down, before they were missing. He was witness to... Good amount of history, right? You you just get to see it. You you remember what it looked like as a kid and what the neighborhood looked like and the trees that were there that are no longer there, the stones that might have come or gone or fallen or broken or or whatever else. So it's it's literally a witness to to some of this stuff. A very unique perspective. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I wasn't too fond of graveyards when I was a kid. Personally, I thought they were a little creepy, but he was just all about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said that it used to be kind of his playground because his mother could call out to him from the front steps and, and she could hear him. Yeah, it was probably so, a pretty safe place for him to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would I would trust my kid in a graveyard. Yeah. What's going to get you? <laughs> so anywho, he actually informed us of a church that used to sit adjacent to Howard Street, known as Howard Street Church. Now, it's no longer there, but I think we're going to have to do a whole episode on it, or at least include it in our discussion of abolition here in Salem, because Mm -hmm. it is of quite significance. So it was from the early 1800s to the 1860s, but it was kind of a hotbed for political activism, abolition and also the temperance movement i'm nodding sorry I, it, it's fascinating what what, what happened at, at that location and around the people who are involved and even some of the the uh, things that we know of today in salem still have origins in, in that place mm-hmm. which is pretty neat so another in, interesting uh, thing about this 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 bearing point in particular and we're going to talk a little bit more uh in the other two is uh the network of tombs or tunnels. <laughs> Jeff did call them catacombs, yeah, which um, was fun to hear. So if you if you look, so the entrance is on Howard Street. 
the fence. There's an opening in the fence. You walk through, and there's graves on either side of you. And if you look forward, you're going to see uh, a long row, and then breaking off to your left uh, of massives. The wrong term. Large pieces of granite. They're tombs. So markers for for tombs. Right. And you can see a hump, and the tomb is underground. And I guess it is a one long tunnel that stretches the entire length of Howard. And then I guess as you're looking at it, it takes a left and ends up at Howard Street. And if you look, there are some of these tombs literally just in the trees. Um, and I guess there was or is an entrance on the Bridge Street side. So if you look to your right and you follow that all the way that way, uh, it's been since bricked off because it, it's dangerous and collapsed and whatnot. But what you'd be able to do is enter through and walk the length underground uh, of this bearing point. And then the markers above you would have designated where underground these families were, which. So cool. Right. So like uh, we're going to talk about some more tombs in, in the other two, two bearing points, but the, the fact that this just would have run the entire length uh, of the bearing point, you can see it. This is a little hump. It's a very odd way to set up. A yeah. cemetery. And I, I was wondering as, as we were looking at it, how do you do you count your paces? Were like there, how do you know how far in you are? Right. Like th- there must have been markers on the ground in there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Designating, but those still had to be set up for you. So, like the first 10 feet is this family, the next 10 feet, the next 10 feet. And, and each one of these, uh, it's just it's kind of cool. Very cool. Very eerie. I yeah. could. I would love to get down there. Yeah. If you're looking for actual Salem catacombs, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Not 13 miles of them. Apparently, there was an accident not too long ago. I believe Jeff said within the within the decade where some kids wandering through the cemetery fell through part of that tomb. Yeah. All it takes is a few loose bricks, and there you go. And what do kids do? They go inside. They start pulling kid, bones kid, out. Kids, I, I, I would have start pulling bones out. Uh, no, I. Uh, so do be careful if you're yeah. stomping through there. If you decide to take a stroll through, take a look at some of the stones. There's quite a few stones in there that have these long, long epitaphs that talk about, say, for instance, you have a sailor talks about what ship he was on, where it was wrecked. Just full blown stories on these headstones. Yeah, they're pretty. Some of them a little more weird than others. Some of them incredibly sad and morbid, as you can imagine. One of them, though, is this? Is this the guy who got? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. yep. Here we go. <laughs> One of them, though, tells the tale of a man. Poor man. Who got kicked in the by a horse. Well, I mean, it doesn't specifically say. No, it does not. I'm using <laughs> Jeff, my boss's words for that phrasing. So the, the the stone literally reads. Gives the full story. Yeah. In memory of Captain Samuel Scurry of Brookfield, formerly of this town, while here on a visit on Saturday between four and five o'clock in Mr. Pope's stable, viewing a span of horses, he was suddenly kicked by one of them in the lower part of his bowels and departed this life on Sunday evening, October 23rd, 1803. So that all is on the stone. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Backtrack a bit. It says he, he got kicked on Saturday. Yeah, so he suffered. Oh, 24 hours before he died? Yep. 
After getting kicked in the lower bowels? Uh-huh. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> they had morphine back then, right? Opium. Yeah, he was, ooh. I'm sure he... Man. They gave him something for it, but... Yeah, so that's just one example okay. of the types of stories that you can find on these headstones. Um, they were very detailed in their in in their memoriams. Um, I think you found one. What did she die of? Lockjaw, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. As I was reading it, it says lockjaw, and I, I found that to be strange because I, I guess today's not that's not something you die of. I hadn't really considered that. That would be like if you you can't just drink a smoothie out of a straw and you, hmm. yeah, very interesting. Yeah. We might have to dig further into that. Maybe it meant something different, but either way, it's bizarre. Totally bizarre. Oh, Victorians! <laughs> don't you love them? <laughs> so I don't I don't know if I'm going to bleep things out on this or if we'll just edit this out completely. I read. She's, she's got this look in her eye. I read someone had said, someone who was dubbed as a local historian, that roughly 15% of all the burials in Howard Street, and keep in mind there are like a total of nearly 1,100, were victims of crushing. Well, that's not true. No. That's, that's, Isn't that insane? That's, and- Additionally, others had died of horrible accidents. I will say, though, there was a group, apparently, supposedly, according to this this article, there was a group of 10 prisoners at the jail that once um, a floor collapsed, they were crushed and killed and buried in that cemetery. But that's definitely not 15% of 1,100. I haven't had a math class since 2011, but okay, so that, I that's, know that much. No, 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 no. I I love this because because that's that's how we get to that story. You can see how that story was created, right? Because we know we know two things, three things. Uh, we know that Giles Corey is pressed to death uh, in that area, right? We know that people are buried in that area. Uh, yes. in, in the and we know that a floor collapsed crushing mm-hmm. ten people. So you're taking that. So you're saying that that's the basis for the story. So we have, and those, then you get the it just gets exaggerated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can see that is a like a clear line. Yeah, but like that's a freaking big exaggeration going from ten to ten, 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 ten to one hundred and fifty. No, 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 eleven. So. Let's let's say the number is ten to fifteen, right? Let's say he doesn't know the number specifically, right? Or maybe oh, he does. Okay, I'll, um, I will add. I'll add one more thing into this. Okay, we'll make it twelve. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll make it twelve. The oldest burial is for a Benjamin Ropes who was crushed to death by a falling ship mast. Okay. Okay. That's. <laughs> That's it. Are you kidding? Okay, okay, this okay. Is, this okay. is perfect. This is how these ridiculous stories start. Because because now you have 10 prisoners, right? Let's let's say it. Yeah. And then let's say another guy who is crushed by a mast. And then and while 15% isn't a thing, the number 15 is is Oh my thing. god, please tell me they didn't just get the number wrong. So, so it goes from 
15 people to 15% very quickly. And now, and now we have the story. <laughs> My God, I love it. You, you, you're literally, I'm like watching the story grow like a tree in my head. Like where these branches come from and, and how that bigger picture is created. That's so interesting. See, I love so that. So there you go. I love that. that that's, that's, that's so cool. Oh, that, that like made my day. I love that. <laughs> literally, you can see the story grow, like right how, how it developed. You have, to, you, have to, you have to have faith in that leap though. Like you have to, it's a possibility. I, I think that leap is very Definite easy. possibility. From uh, one uh, tour guide to another, from a typo over, over the course of 10 years. Well, we do play telephone as kids. Yeah. Things get changed, and, and, and misunderstood. Right Oh, I love it. That's so cool. So cool. Okay. All right. So that was, okay. So that's Howard Street. Let's jump to Broad Street. Yes. So we had a fun little field trip to Broad Street the other day. Yeah. Uh, kind of impromptu, unplanned. We were walking, we went to- Ancestry Days. Well, I want to back up a little oh, further. Oh, oh. We went and got Good Morning Chubby. Mm-hmm. So it was a Sunday morning. If you have the opportunity in your downtown Salem, go get Good Morning Chubby on Sundays. It's- same place as Goodnight Fatty. Afterwards, we popped into the old town hall for Ancestry Days. There was a couple different vendors up there. I, I personally wanted to take a look at the um, Registry of Deeds. I'd seen on the Instagram that they had a bunch of old maps. Uh, so I wanted to poke around and see that. But then we ended up chatting with the friends of the Broad Street Cemetery group yes. for quite a bit. And we saw that they were offering walking tours, free walking tours. And then we saw who was offering them. It was a, a fellow tour guide. Um, Kenny Glover. He runs his own uh, tour company. And he's always uh, fascinated me. I've never, this is the first time I sort of met him, right? Same, you, same. You see each other a lot, but you He's the one that sings. He's the one that sings. And uh, also he, which I didn't know, he is a, he is a Quaker. Yes. So a he, practicing. A practicing Quaker. So he dresses uh, sort of suspenders and the shirt and the hat. And I always just thought that was a bit of a shtick. Yeah. But that's, he's the I real. I think that's just, I think it's just him. It's just him. That's just the real deal. Remember he was telling us how sometimes he has like an incognito mode. Yes, he dresses up like a Salem tourist. Yeah. He puts on like a Salem t-shirt and sunglasses and baseball cap and walks around Salem and, no and says, one, no one knows. No one knows who he is. He's had straight up conversations with folks, with friends. It takes him taking the sunglasses off and saying, hey, it's me. Which I can see because that's that's who the guy is. Um, but so we saw and I, we were both like, oh, this is what we're doing today. Um, and we got a little uh, private tour of um, Broad Street, which yes, was no one else signed up, so it was just us three tour yeah. guides. Uh, I uh, fascinated, impressed. Uh, I'm not even captivated. Captivated. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a treat. We he he sang to us, so we, we did. He did sing to us. It almost brought tears to my yeah, eyes. To yeah. be completely honest, we were in the middle of Broad Street Cemetery. We had just finished this phenomenal tour, and he started singing. A hymn, but he also had he had, this, he had this backpack full of cool things. I mean, he took the tour and brought it to a whole new level. Yeah, both you and I have, both you and I have chatted multiple times about like you know what you bring on tour, how you carry all your things, and he just brought with him like 
antiquities, straight up stuff from like the 17th, 18th century. Yeah, he's literally whipping out like, I, I can't even. What were they? They were um, the, the, the knee, silver, buckles, knee buckles, knee buckles from, that you would have um, on your, your socks, right? Boots. Or boot. At the top, I'm not 100%. Or the pants. Yeah. It would be the pants, the bottom of the pants. And, and they were uh, owned by a uh, relation to someone who was both, uh, who was involved heavily in the trials. His sister had been accused of witchcraft. Yeah. And, and so at many, uh, his family had a lot of different ties to the, the trials. Bought him off eBay and just whipped him out. It yeah. was so cool. He's like, oh yeah, check these out. We're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. So his, his information was actually uh, very useful. I had a few sort of prominent questions for him specifically. And he showed us around, talked about some of the people that are buried there. And there are some uh, important people buried there. With direct ties to the witch trials. Yeah. I think a lot of people jump right to Charter Street, but yeah. Sheriff George Corwin, the it sheriff is. who was the big bad guy during this. Signed all the arrest warrants, uh, acted as the ex. So the guy who killed, literally killed everyone who died in the trials, uh, is buried there. As well as his uncle, Jonathan mm-hmm. Corwin, owner of the witch house. We talked mm-hmm. about that iconic building quite a bit. The whole Corwin family tomb is there. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a significant amount of Pickerings who are buried there. And their house is right across the street, the Pickering House, uh, which is the oldest house in Salem. And the oldest continuously lived in house in the country? Yes. Okay. Yep. And, you, can, you can see it right from the yeah, cemetery. And they do have tours on occasion. Uh, I'm George not, Washington, I believe. Ate there. Ate there. Yeah, and sat in a chair. So they have a kitchen. So I, I got, I was lucky enough to, to take a tour. I think it was last 4th of July, actually. Mm-hmm. And the tour, uh, the, the girl giving the tour uh, is talking about the house and the original structure. And they have a lot of artifacts uh, and like original wooden beams and stuff. And then we get in the kitchen. She's like, oh, these are their chairs. She's like, by the way, George Washington sat in one of these. And we're like, this is just their kitchen chairs <laughs> and we're like which chair and she's like we don't know and then so we just we played musical chairs <laughs> and so we all just got up and moved all around the table so i don't know which one it was but we sat in a chair that george washington sat in so cool yeah so he stays at uh what's now the merchant but has dinner with colonel pickering at the pickering house yeah across from broad street yeah very cool yeah Kenny did inform us it is at risk of yes. being closed off to the public. Yes. So do be careful as you go in. You definitely have to walk up a kind of slanted set of granite stairs. So, there's a so lot of, watch uh, your step. Underground you, tombs there. There's 85, actually, yeah. 85 tombs. It was situated on top of a hill or right up against a hill, I should Mm -hmm. say. So you've got tombs all along the side and then some that you can access from the top. But he did say that you do run the risk of falling into them. So you do have to be careful where you're stepping. And hopefully, according to the Broad Street Group, they are in the works of raising money and raising awareness to its debilitating conditions. So hopefully, you know, we just saw a ton of money get pumped into Charter Street Cemetery. Hopefully Broad Street Cemetery will be next because it yeah. is the second oldest cemetery in Salem. And that dates back to um, 1655. And these these tombs, I had a few questions for him about the tombs. Uh, and that is that our people, like what is it? Is it a tomb where you walk in and they're underground or are they just like 
layered in these little nooks in the walls like it's like it's um indiana jones last crusade right you know you, you see the he goes through the rats in the water yeah. and there's and he's like likely probably both he's like sometimes they're all just going to be in these nooks and sometimes they are going to be underground um and then i had another question for him about the difference between uh, chest tombs and tabletop tombs so a tabletop tomb uh, is a big tabletop with legs. So it looks like a big wooden table that's shaped in, in the, the shape of a, a, a grave. Um, a chest tomb's the same, but instead of legs, it's a solid brick. Um, and he said that uh, likely if it's a chest tomb, that there's something underneath, right? So that's going to be the entrance to one. There's actually really, oh, the, the one as we were leaving. Yeah, it had the door and the, and the finger hand. pointing. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. It was like I'm like I'm it, gonna go. I'll go back and get a picture. It was like something out of like a like a I don't know like a fantasy novel. You're like door this way. Like something out of Alice in Wonderland, but creepier. But creepier. <laughs> <laughs> door to the underground. Like where this is where the graves are. So that that's pretty cool. But he said with the chest tombs, it's likely that that's probably just a an above ground marker. Um, when it's brick. Yeah. No, no, no. When it's the chest, I think sorry, he sorry, said. Sorry, sorry. I think when it, he said that when it's brick, okay. it is solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's like a marker. But then when it's stone, it's an underground. Gotcha. Yes. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. No, he said, but not always. And that's another thing he said is sort of, it might be, it might not be, and it's not always going to be. <laughs> so, what is it about our fascination with death and burials? <sighs> Oh, and then it gets, it's the unknown. Yeah. Right. We've talked about how exciting it would be to find a tunnel or Mm. something, discover something. (laughs) And of course, we are not the first people to discover all of those broken pieces of St. Mary's Cemetery, the granite, but it felt like it. Yeah. It felt like it for that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, what is this? That excitement, um, finding something new. So- that's almost, oh, oh, we should throw in real quick um, something that's often overlooked because it's sort of small, tucked out of the way and closed to the public. The Quaker Cemetery. Quaker Cemetery. So if you are heading down Essex Street, past the Witch House, past the Ropes Mansion or Allison's House from Hocus Pocus, keep going down. Past the library. Yeah, past the library. You almost hit Proctor's Ledge, but before you do... You'll hit the Quaker bearing point. It'll be on your right. It'll be on your right-hand side. And you could walk right past it if you're not. If you're not looking. If you're looking at the sidewalk, you're going to miss it's it. It's very small. It's very quaint. But that was that. That was how. It's Quakers. It was reflective of how they went about their burial practices. Yeah. Very small, um, unassuming headstones. And it's very peaceful, very quiet. It is not accessible to the general public, but you are able to go to the city and request access. So if there was a reason that you really wanted to get in, I'm sure that they would accommodate you. That was established in 1702. So it was kind of cool to get a tour from a actual Quaker and be able to talk about the cemetery. So that leaves... The final and the big shebang, and I think everyone's favorite... And yeah, I think I asked you before this and you said this was your favorite cemetery. Would yeah. you still say it's your favorite in, in Salem? Yes. Used to be no longer probably. Uh, and I understand the conservation efforts. Uh, but when you can't just sort of freely wander around and 
go up to the headstones that you like and things like this, then. I completely agree. Yeah. I think we have the, we had the privilege of being able to wander through that cemetery and just appreciate it for what it was. And like, I completely agree that the conservation efforts, the preservation work needed to be done. Um, And for those who don't know, that cemetery was closed down for nearly two years. They were awarded roughly $600,000 in restoration money, and they completely redid the landscaping, dug up and restored a bunch of old stones, added in new pathways, and it is now limited hours, pretty heavily monitored, and you are forced to stay on those pathways. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, having been able to experience it before that, Kind of like, ouch. It's like I can't go up to, um, or you, you can't, no one can go up to um, Mary Corey's grave, uh, Kayla Pickman's grave, which I think Kayla Pickman's grave is arguably the most fascinating grave I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, and we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one all the way in the back corner, um, right by what is now Casa Tequila. That's a Catholic one. So there's a cross, and this is IHS, which is those Catholic uh, words, uh, likely the only one in in there. Also, um, the Timothy Lindell stone that we mentioned. In, which is my favorite stone. You uh, can't get to it. Can't get to it. Um, and again, I understand the preservation needs and the preservation efforts, and I respect that. But that takes away a little bit of the magic. So when I first started working for my current company, my boss— Jeff Page also informed me that there is a tree in that cemetery and he's a practicing witch, very well connected with the the old witch circles of Salem. And they refer to this tree as the mother tree because it's a mother white oak. Essex Agricultural School came in and was able to date the tree. It's the oldest from what they can tell out of all of them. That tree itself was standing when the witch trials were happening. So you have at least one tree in there that paid witness to that procession going down Essex Street up to Proctor's Ledge. That's just weird. It's so crazy. So before they put in those pathways, I used to take a moment to go out, sit by the mother tree, kind of like talk to her a little bit. I'm not heavily religious or anything, but you know, I'd put my hand on her and ask for some guidance as I tell these stories and yeah, you can't do that anymore. Such is the way of things. But that being said, it is still a very cool piece of history. Mm-hmm. And I am happy that we were able to see it brought back yeah. to life. If you do go in, you can still walk by two graves of judges from the Salem Witch Trials. So a lot of connections to the trials in there. Uh, judge Hathorne, everyone knows him as the hanging judge. And uh, Bartholomew Gedney. His tomb is also there. Mm-hmm. We've got a Mayflower passenger buried. That's um, Captain Richard Moore. He uh, he arrives in the Massachusetts Bay Colony before it's Massachusetts Bay Colony. It's still all indigenous uh, land. He arrives in the Mayflower, and um, he dies in 1692, although I have heard that that date might be slightly inaccurate. I've also heard that he's the only remaining Mayflower passenger stone in existence. Interesting. Yeah. I- I think for the most part, 
Mayflower passengers, just given that time, they were buried, say, in their backyard um, on a family farm. But this one in particular, you can see his original stone. Mm-hmm. I know that the Aldens, that was a pretty big uh, yeah, yeah. founding family, and they have stones as well, but they were put up by their descendants. Oh, as, so not as they died. Yeah, okay. as many of them are. So if you want to go see a Mayflower passenger, right in Charter Street. One of the things that I find fascinating about him is is he likely lived uh, through 1692. So he might have died 93 or 94 is, is something I've, I've read recently. Um, and that might have to do with the Gregorian calendar and these mm-hmm. sorts of things. But he arrives in the Mayflower at age seven. He's the only member of his family to survive that first winter. So wow. by the time he's eight, he has crossed the Atlantic and is orphaned in what is to become Puritan Massachusetts and, and then lives through all the 1600s and gets to bear witness to the Salem witchcraft trials. That's crazy. I, I just, it, it's just that span of a life just like blows my mind when I, whenever I think about it a little too much, I'm like, I got to step away from that. I wonder if he got to the trials and he's like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> like this is, you guys have had enough. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, let's see. Oh, we mentioned this on one of our recent episodes. Just wanted to reiterate because you did get some confirmation about it. Elias Haskett Derby is buried in Charter Street Cemetery. Why he was never featured on their nice little board out front, I will never know. And so the the tomb is of Richard Derby and it's one of these sort of family tombs. And sometimes uh, the family tombs only list the first name or a last name. There's a Fisk in there as well. So it's a row of one, two, three, four, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the marble ones just says Fisk. Nothing else. Nothing else. Uh, Derby says, you can barely see it. It says Richard Derby at the top. And, and you can't go up to that anymore, can you? Can. you? Oh, you yeah, can? You yeah. can. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that that is as what is now their exit, which would have been the entrance. Um, I don't even think you can exit from that now. No, no. Hopefully again in October, uh, but staffing issues and, and whatnot. Um, but then let's talk real quick because it's like the best thing ever. So I mentioned Caleb Pickman. And interestingly enough, the Welcome Center is in the Pickman, Pickman house. Yeah. So uh, tied to the land. Um, and Caleb Pickman's grave is unlike any I have seen in any cemetery I've ever been. I'm not saying it's the only one. But I, I would wager. I was going to say he does have a second grave. You, okay, yeah, I was, we're going to mention which that which also includes the same yeah. statement, which is died whilst being struck with lightning. Which it's, is, I want to say cool, but like, I mean, it, <laughs> it is cool. It's cool for it's, us. Well, to it was read. probably so jarring, yeah, for folks. And think about their their mindset back then. If someone is struck by lightning, like that's a that's a yeah. Was he super bad or super good? Right. right? And uh, interestingly enough, and, and this is, uh, so from my understanding, uh, is that when you get hit by lightning, you tend not to die right away. Your organs then sort of fail over the next several hours. Really? Yeah. So he didn't uh, get hit by lightning and drop dead. He literally got hit by lightning and then probably had a very horrific several hours left while, while he was just suffering t- till he died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, 22 years old. Our tour guide, Kenny, told yeah. us that it happened just as he stepped foot outside of his mother's door. So, which is also crazy. My mind automatically like tries to create 
a story to it, like a narrative. Like, it's like, ah, like, like, oh, screw you, mom. mom. And then, like slams <laughs> the door. And like, of course, he gets hit by lightning, right? Like, like, like crack of lightning. Yeah. The, uh, there's a Pikmin tomb in Broad Street Cemetery. And he is also listed. Caleb Pikmin says the same thing. Died. Struck, struck with lightning. And uh, I always make the joke that, that that's, we don't typically put how someone dies on the headstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an Oregon trail, right? You don't say died of dysentery. Is that what it says on Oregon trail? That, that, that's like a way you die. Yeah. And then it'll have like the little, so back in, you know, the nineties when I was like playing D D D D D. And then yeah. like it would have a little tomb and yep. like, died of dysentery. Is what <laughs> they say. We don't, we don't put that. It's just so strange that they, I think it's just cause it was so, it was it, so is, significant. It, it is like so this strange. is. Yeah. And also, if you notice, there is um, there is sometimes more attention paid to younger deaths and like abrupt deaths. Yeah, headstones for children or babies. Mm. You may have a larger encryption or a poem coupled with it. So I could see. Yeah. Can you imagine asking the grave carver to (laughs) put that in? Yeah. Like, okay, this is what I needed to say. The the whole thing is struck with lightning. So weird. But it was one of my favorite things in in there. Um, I got some other BS info to share with you. This is going to be part of, we should make this part of the podcast. (laughs) If we come up with terrible research. One of the tour companies in town is stating that the majority of, quote, the majority of their corpses in reference to the Salem witch trial victims were dumped around the old Bering Point Cemetery. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> so yes, the Salem Witch Trials Memorial is right there. It is just it sits just adjacent to Charter Street, and that is for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's right in the center of downtown. But the executions themselves did not happen there. Proctor's Ledge was probably about two miles away at that point. I'd say a mile. All the way. Okay. I'd say a mile. Okay. We'll clock it Monday. Yeah. So, um, so yes, we have two judges there. Yes, we have the Salem Witch Trials Memorial there, but this is not the location of those executions. Yeah. yeah. So Charter Street dates back to 1637 um, and is the oldest in Salem, uh, second oldest in the country. But interestingly, the oldest headstone in there dates back to about 40 years after the cemetery the Charter Street Bearing Point is first in use. That's for a couple of reasons, which I think are fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, firstly, the first markers there would have just been wood or stone. Right. Right. Like a wooden cross. A wooden cross or a, a, just a stone in the ground. Uh, we don't find slate uh, in enough quantities here till 1640. So that's when they started using the slate. But another problem we have with Charter Street, and I laugh, uh, it's not like super funny. Um, is this used to be waterfront. So the South River, so that that wall that abuts Derby Street was originally designed as a sea retention wall to keep the water out because there was a few instances where we have enough bad storms, enough coastal land erosion that we literally lose people out of the bearing point out to sea. I like the concept. You put the cemetery right next to the water. Peaceful way to overlook the ocean. But it wasn't very... uh, it wasn't very conducive to I mean, actually burying people. I've I've seen some pretty bad storms along the North Shore coast 
now and, and we can sit in the safety of, of the 21st century. I can't imagine in 1711 what, what that would have looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to come out the next day and, and deal with uh, those trees down, things along these lines. And then you go to the bearing point and there's people that have risen up or fallen out. Yeah. So Charter Street has a wonderfully rich and phenomenal history. And I, I feel like it's probably just talked about the most. And probably all of these places have sort of similarly, similarly interesting stories. It's just not somewhere that is as central. Well, it's where everyone stops on their walking tour. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I like to call it the battleground for all the <laughs> tours because everyone and their mother's there. Real quick, we didn't mention that uh, Samuel McIntyre is buried there. Yes, yes. So we mentioned him actually just on our last episode on Derby. He was the guy that was in charge of making his mansion so yeah, glamorous. Yeah, and, and your little houses, your little summer houses that, yes, that you want me to the, buy one for you. Yes. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't. <laughs> Samuel McIntyre's long gone. Uh, but famous Salem architect, he... We have a whole the McIntyre district named after him. Um, the eagle that is above the 1805's customs house is a replica of an eagle that was carved by him. The original eagle is in the Peabody Essex Museum. That's very cool. Yeah. And I think, and don't quote me on this, uh, a chair of his sold at auction. Oh my God, stop. I was just going to bring that up just now, like literally just now, because that chair sat, that was part of the mansion it's probably yes. one of the only yes. well some of some of the only pieces it yeah yeah so it's like full a, circle yeah there you go great minds mediocre minds <laughs> how, so, how much six hundred and sixty two thousand five hundred dollars yeah let me just work for the next 20 years and buy a chair and that so that was back in 2011 it's probably so much more expensive today. I bet. Wow. Although I'm not sure where the the well, so, rare furniture okay, so, market is hovering right now. So it, it it's a few things, um, and I don't know much about it, but a a piece like that, obviously, it's demand, right? Like it's not going to sell if no one wants it. However, um, I know like the furniture market does fluctuate, but I know a lot of collectors' markets at the moment are skyrocketing uh, because a lot of people are putting more money into these things. Right. Um, and then, you know, with inflation being what it is, you know, the billionaires being what they are, I, I could almost guarantee you that chair is, is worth like, a probably. Yeah. Like a million dollars. You go in a million. <laughs> I, I'm totally guessing. So it set, so it set a world record for the most expensive chair to ever be sold. I can only imagine how much the price has gone up. If I win the lottery, I'm going to buy it. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like, not like. Uh, okay. Like, like over a hundred million dollars. I'm going to be like, no, no. You know what? I'm I'm going to own the most expensive chair in the world, and then and then you know what I'm going to do? You're going to take it. You're going to take it to Derby Square, yes. and you're going to put it out, and you're going <laughs> to. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Return it to its home. Well, I'll take it home with me. I'm not going to leave it there. Well, but I'll, for the I'll moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually did have someone say that if 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 we wanted to, 
they will bring the bucket of rotting fish. Oh, that's so nice. And we can go have our little picnic and recreate the 1790s. I appreciate that (laughs) so much. I'm sure the Pem would as well. So much. But anyway, uh, the chair was carved by Samuel McIntyre. Let's get back to the, yeah, the bearing so point. The, the chair itself was carved by Samuel McIntyre. It's probably one of the only ones in existence still mm-hmm. remaining. And it graced the halls of Derby's fabulous mansion that sat in Derby Square. And then it got moved to his farm, Oak Hill, which Mm -hmm. his daughter, Elizabeth, ended up acquiring, which we just recanted that story in the last episode. So now we have Derby and McIntyre, both final resting places, in Charter Street. Pretty cool. And if you pop in there, you'll see that he has quite a stone. It's rather large and... You want to see something cool? Always. Pause for dramatic effect. Give me a second. I got to find this. So we know McIntyre is famous. Oh boy. Scrolling through my pictures like three years ago. McIntyre is famous for all his eagles, right? That's like one of, that was one of his signature things. Mm -hmm. I am in the bearing point one day. I think I was giving a tour. Oh my God. Was there an eagle? Falcon. (sighs) Okay. There we go. So he has a squirrel, but yeah, like look, That's like right there. Yeah. Yeah. He was just sitting there next to Samuel McIntyre's headstone eating the squirrel. That is so cool. Yeah. He just, oh, oh, there he looked at me. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Look at that one. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Save, you send that to me. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, Samuel McIntyre. I was like, he's these eagles. I was like, oh my God, here's this. I think it's a falcon. Or it I could be an eagle. It I, could be. An, it'd be really cool if it was an eagle. I mean, I guess I'd never actually looked up what kind of bird it was, but like, like he's 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 a, like look at that guy. Yeah, just for someone. I don't who, know birds well enough to know. No. But, but that's like cool. for someone who's famous for carving these eagles. Yeah. To see this, at least like you know, a moment. Yeah. Samuel, yeah. is that you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgotten that till till so till cool. just now. Yeah, send me those pictures. Yeah. I'll throw them up. There you go. I think, can you still see his stone from the pathway? Yeah. Or, okay. Yes. So it's very large. If you're standing with your back to Charter Street and you're looking at the map, right, it, it's a little hard to tell where the stuff on the map is. Mm-hmm. Just take the path to your right and walk maybe 30 feet forward. You'll see it on your left. And it reads... He was distinguished for genius in architecture. Oh, I'd forgotten this. Sculpture and music. And music. He was like he was like like a legit he could play like a dozen instruments or something. Oh, it gets better. I've forgotten about this. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Modest and sweet manners rendered him pleasing. Industry and integrity respectable. He professed the religion of Jesus in his entrance on manly life and proved his excellence by virtuous principle and unblemished conduct. Well, then. Sounds like a stud. <laughs> Sarah's like, <"I'm> Samuel <laughs> McIntyre. <laughs> She's like, screw Derby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Your face. I think I'm blushing. <laughs> you are. I'm not sure. I don't blush very often, but when you talk about historical figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. This is, she's like sitting here, she's like fanning her face. <laughs> we got to start video recording these. That would have been amazing. You okay? You need yeah, a minute? Yeah, that was so funny. I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> There's nothing you can say. But yeah, what a statement. Jeff, what's your what's your stone going to read? <laughs> Who gets to pick it? I would I would assume you. You seem like the type that would have it all planned out. Well, I don't, but there's uh the, in Key West, actually, I think both of these are in Key West. Um so interestingly enough, the, the Key West uh, cemetery uh is all above ground because there's you dig down 2 feet and you hit the right, water, right. right? Highest point above sea level is 19 feet. Uh, it's all white because it's mostly all coral and limestone, so mm-hmm. it, it's pretty cool. Um, and there's two, and if I'm, it's been a long time since so I've had to talk about the Key West graveyard. So forgive, sorry, cemetery, the Key West cemetery. So forgive me if I've screwed this up. One says, "At least I know where you're sleeping tonight." <laughs> I, I guess, like he, in reference to the body. Yeah, in in reference to him being an adult adulterer, and his wife had that put on. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Oh, my God. I get it now. At least I know you're sleeping tonight. Yeah. Yeah. No. And another one, I'm fairly certain, said, I told you I was sick. These are like freaking riddles. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, (laughs) I'm a call. (laughs) And his final headstone says, I I told you I was sick. Wow. (laughs) So, Yeah, yeah. See, I think yours will be something witty. I I'll I'll start planning, just just in case. Just in case. Yeah, <laughs> I put that put that in the will so no one can say horrible things about me after I'm gone. Noted. Hey, yours will be like, I'm tread lightly here. I mean, I was gonna say like you know the final resting place of, but she wishes she was next to Samuel McIntyre. <laughs> that was a lame joke. I know. I know. I'm sorry. You can. <laughs> get rid of that i was it was i was like trying to you were trying yeah you're trying to you oh to be fair what i was trying to reference um was uh captain richard moore who his final resting place is between his first wife and his christian wife yeah if you look at the headstones on either side he's laying for eternity between his two wives which i don't know if that's a blessing or a curse (laughs) (laughs) but that's where he is my dad would say it's a curse (laughs) <laughs> I think my dad would too. Sorry, you know what? I was like, we should cut this. We should cut this. They both listen. I need you to cut that out. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> just, just my bit. You can talk about your dad. Yeah, but yours made mine less bad, so I feel like I have to cut mine. Too. Then cut yours too. <laughs> now. Uh, I want to round this out with, I think, what is like my favorite little uh, Charter Street fact. What? Um, so Sophia Peabody, who is to be Nathaniel Hawthorne's wife, mm-hmm. grows up in the Grimshaw house, which is that sort of house right next to the bearing point that looks like it's about to fall over. <laughs> Everyone thinks it is so creepy. And it's just undergoing a property dispute and has been for like 10 years. So sorry. But... Um, Sophia, uh, from our understanding, probably had some level of social anxiety, uh, maybe depression, uh, suffered from migraines, things along these lines, uh, which tended 
or gave her the tendency not to go out in public very often. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Nathaniel, while still interested, had to find a way that he could spend time with her that wasn't at these sort of big public events. So he talks to her father and gets permission to take her for walks in the evening through the bearing point. So Nathaniel Hawthorne and Sophia Peabody's first several dates. Right. is uh, through that cemetery. Is through that. Yeah. That is so sweet. Can you imagine that, that house overlooking Salem's oldest burying point? Yeah. So much history in that place. Um, okay. okay. Is that it? I think that, that that takes care of it. St. Mary's Harmony Grove, uh, Green Lawn, Green Lawn, Broad, Howard, Howard Street, Howard Quaker Charter. There we go. I think that's it. All the things. Yeah. Uh, so of course we we know you all love uh, these places. Um, there's one quick thing I would ask is if you visit any of them, just treat them with the respect they deserve. Take anything out that you do bring in. Also reflect on what was there beforehand. Yeah. Before you. Remember, we are going to be doing an episode on Salem ghost stories. So we touched on it briefly, whether or not these cemeteries are haunted or not. (laughs) I know there are folks that have had paranormal experiences here in Salem, and we want to hear about it. So please, you can send us those at hello at SalemThePodcast.com, or you can send it to us on Instagram. Zagram. Mm -hmm. Slide, slide those ghosts into our DMs. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this is far in the future, but we are also collecting Salem love stories. So if you have gotten engaged, fell in love, had a bad Tinder date, or all of the above, we want to hear about it. We've already gotten a couple, and all I can say is it gave me chills, which is exactly what I was hoping for. So it's the love stories, not the ghost stories that give you chills? Correct. Okay. The ghost story, it was, I will be honest, I stopped listening to it halfway through, the one that got sent in. Okay. Because it was that, like, intense of a ghost story. And also, that reminds me, if you don't want to type it, go ahead and send a voice message. Yeah. And remember, if you've been enjoying the podcast, do us a favor and leave us a review, rate, and tell a few friends. Make your friends listen. If you like it, they'll like it. And also, if they have ghost stories, get those to us. Yes. Uh, Otherwise, make sure to follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. That's all at Selling the Podcast. And again, uh, if you have any questions. You can always shoot us an email. Hello at SalemThePodcast.com. And if you're visiting Salem and want to take a tour with either Sarah or myself, links to both those companies are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you later.